to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know, sometimes we understand, well, I know God's grace and I experienced His grace and I came to Him, but then I fell away or I fell into sin or something and, you know, I just, I knew better and I did it anyway and now I just think, you know, there's no grace for me. People think that way. There's grace for you still. That's the beauty of grace. It's not exhaustive. It doesn't run out. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31 in a message titled, Law and Grace. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You know, people say that... um, well, you know, there's, there's no proof for God. Give me some empirical evidence for God. You know what? There is proof for God. And I'll tell you what it is. There's empirical evidence. I know people whose lives are unexplainable apart from a God. You cannot explain how this person went from being this to being now this without a miracle. And that's what Paul is talking about. And that's what happened to the Galatians. The Galatians were, were sinners. They were idol worshipers. They were engaged in all of the, the sin and the evil and the perversion of the world that they lived in. That's who they were. But then the gospel comes to them and the gospel brings this, this power, the supernatural thing that transforms their lives. But the problem is now the Judaizers are coming along the false teachers, and they're trying to convince the Galatians that, well, that's not really enough. You need to add this law as well. And this has just thrown a wrench into the whole thing. And Paul is deeply concerned over that. But then he takes it to the personal level. Having looked at it historically, allegorically, now we we come to the personal. And in verse 28, he says, now we brethren, and this is where he he makes the personal application. But verse 27, I just want to read it, and then we're going to come back to it in a moment. But verse 27, he says this, in 26, but Jerusalem above is free. He's speaking about the heavenly Jerusalem versus the the, the literal uh, city of Jerusalem at the time. Paul says Jerusalem at the time, at his time, was like Hagar in bondage with her children. It, it, was, uh, it was Judaism, Mount Sinai. The whole thing was wrapped up in the law. But then Paul talked about a, a Jerusalem that's above, and he's speaking of the heavenly Jerusalem. And he says, the Jerusalem above is free, and that is the mother of us all. For it is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who do not who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. We'll come back to that, but verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. So when he says children of promise, he's talking about the supernatural. We are the children of promise, like Isaac, emphasizing the the reality of this this supernatural thing that's happened, this new birth, through 
the power of God's grace. But then he says this, he says, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. So going back to the story, remember, Ishmael mocked Isaac and Sarah said, cast out the bondwoman and her son. And that's indeed what God had said to Abraham to do. And he did. But the the point here, Paul is saying to the Galatians, look, this attempt on the part of the, the Judaizers toward you is a form of persecution. They're not they're not going to let you rest in the grace of God. They're going to try to force you into embracing a, a legalistic understanding of your relationship with God. It's a form of, of persecution. Paul, of course, knew this persecution. And as you study the, the book of Acts or as you study the epistles of Paul, you find that he was, he was harassed and he was beaten and he was stoned, and he was imprisoned, and all of these things happened in Paul's life. And you know, behind it, almost all the time, was this, this uh, Jewish component, this, this element of these, these legalistic guys who were stirring up the trouble against Paul. They were persecuting him, because that's what happens. You know, when you experience the free grace of God and you start to rejoice in the free grace of God, you know what happens? The legalists come after you. They, they don't like it. The devil doesn't want you free. He doesn't want you as, a, as like a free um, person who's full of joy and peace and, and all of that. He doesn't want that kind of promotion for the kingdom. He wants you to be oppressed. He wants you to be beaten down. He wants you to not be sure of your salvation. He wants you to be living under this, this tyranny and, you know, just, oh gosh, being a Christian so hard. It's so rough. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to heaven. Man, the devil loves that because you're like a bad advertisement for the kingdom. And he, he really likes that. And you know, this is religion. Religion is man's attempt to find God. And so often it's those who have that understanding, like I'm going to find God. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way to God. They're the ones that so often are, are persecuting those who are saying, no, we, we just come to God through faith in Christ. But, you know, here's the sad and the more challenging thing even, that a lot of times this kind of mentality drifts into churches, now, when Paul left Galatia, I'm sure of this. I'm sure when he left Galatia, he left, you know, just kind of just, you know, jumping up and clicking his heels, just thinking, man, what a beautiful thing. What a great work God is doing here. He left a place that was full of love. He left a place that there was wonderful fellowship. He left the kind of environment where sinners were coming in and they were just knowing, man, you know, they were welcome. He left a place where he knew that the grace of God was reigning over this place and that the spirit of God was moving. That's what he left when he left Galatia. But you know what he found out later? That when these Judaizers came down, all of that left. When they brought the law in, man, oh, it just changed the whole atmosphere. And this is what happens. When you introduce legalism into your life, and especially when you introduce legalism into the life of a church, you quench the spirit. 
And in quenching the spirit, all of those wonderful fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, all that stuff, boom, it's just out the window. And now it's all just about laws. And it's all about finger pointing. And it's all about judging. And it's all about criticizing. And it's just, it goes from a beautiful thing to a really ugly thing. And, and we have to fight this. And of course, this is what Jesus battled against. Remember, as you read the Gospels, the, the enemies of Jesus were not really the, the openly sinful people in the society. They were not the enemies of Jesus. They were the ones that were the most open to the message of Jesus. They were the ones that were like, really, I can be forgiven? Oh, okay. I would have never thought so, but this is wonderful. It was the self-righteous religious guys. They were the enemies. They were the ones who were dead set against this idea that God was going to freely forgive sinners. They fought that. They pushed it back against it. They criticized Jesus. They said to his disciples, he said, what is with your master? Look at him. What is he doing eating with the tax collectors and sinners? How dare he do that? And they saw themselves as being righteous and better than everybody. So Jesus fought against it. Paul fights against it his whole, his whole ministry life. And my point is this. You know what? We still have to fight against it today. Because legalism is always looking for an inroad. Legalism is always looking for a way into our own lives personally in order to, to quench the spirit and bring us into this oppressive sort of a bondage thing. And then it's, it's looking to yeah, make its way into a congregation as well so that people can't walk in the door and feel like God's uh, mercy is waiting for them. They, they just say, man, I, you know, I, I better stay away. Have you ever heard a person say this? You, you invite them to church. They say, man, I can't go to church. You know, I'm afraid the, the roof would cave in, you know, if I walked in. So what are they saying? They're, they're really saying, you know, I, they're kind of acknowledging that they're sinful. And in their mind, they're thinking the church is only for good people. Well, that's what legalism leads to. It, it gives you the mentality that the church is for good people. But the biblical picture of the church is that it's a, it's a wide open thing for those. No, the roof's not going to fall in on you because this is what the church is actually all about. It's just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. But if we forget that, and if we drift into a legalistic Understanding, and what do I mean by legalism? What I mean is this. When we take and impose something that goes beyond the scripture on somebody for, uh, for them to be you know, right with God, that's when we cross over into legalism. So legalism is adding things, making it more hard than God has made it, or making the, the standard higher than God has made it. That's what legalism is. And this happens. You know, this is what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees in the earliest stages, they were well-intended. You know what their, their whole objective was? Their whole objective was, you know, we want to keep people from breaking the law. So how do we keep them from breaking the law? Well, here's what we will do. We will come up with another set of laws that actually become a hedge around the real law. So before you can get the real law and break it, you'd have to break this law here. But you know what ended up happening? That law superseded and became the focal point of the religion rather than the actual law of God. And this is why when you read the Gospels, you find that there's accusation after accusation of Jesus breaking the law. You know what? Jesus was not breaking God's law. He was breaking their law. 
He was saying, no, I'm not bound to your law. And just like the Pharisees did that, we can do that in the church today. We can put up standards and we can put up things and we can make a big deal about doctrines and, and take them and uh, go beyond the emphasis that the scripture puts on them. And then we can make that a requirement for blessing. We can make it a requirement for having, you know, the real favor of God upon your life. Now, you know, if I know you believe in Jesus and that's fine, but if you really want to know God's blessing, his power and his love here, you know, make sure that you do this or don't do that. That that's legalism. And so this is the thing that will quench the spirit. This is the thing that, that inevitably kills the work of God. Paul says here in verse 31, so then brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. God wants us to be free. And Paul's going to go on in the rest of the letter. He's going to come back and touch on this again to some extent, but he's sort of moving on from the main argument. But he's going to remind us that freedom, he says, God, you know, God has made us free, not so we could use our freedom as a cloak for sin. You know, some people think when we're talking about grace and not being legalistic, that we're talking about, hey, let's just party it up. Let's just live in sin. Whoa, it's okay. You know, we're not legalistic. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the work of the spirit and letting God's word do his work in our lives and letting God speak to us. You know, God is perfectly capable of dealing with us about stuff. That's why there's a Holy Spirit. God has called us to freedom. And that is one of the wonderful beauties. And this again, I mean, if you want bondage, just go get into a religion because every religion in the world is about bondage of one sort or another. It's only the gospel that is about freedom. That's what the gospel is. It's about freedom. It's a freedom to not do. It's a freedom to do. It's both. In some cases, we're free to do things that we didn't think we could do. In other cases, we've got a freedom not to do it as well. Now, in closing, and this is going to be a long closing, so just to let you know. <laughs> but I said I was going to come back to um, verse 27. And I want to do that right here. So verse 27, Paul here quotes from Isaiah. Isaiah 54, verse 1. He says, For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now, Paul takes up the same story that Isaiah used, and he gives it an even more full and wonderful application. The Galatians are being beat up spiritually by the false teachers. They are being told that they are too polluted and flawed simply to consider themselves loved children of God the moment they believe. But now Paul turns the tables and comforts the Galatians powerfully. They are the barren woman. If salvation is by works, then only the fertile can have children. Only the morally able and strong, the people from good families, the folk with good records can be spiritually fruitful, enjoy the love and joy of God and transform the lives of others. But if the gospel is true, it does not matter, listen, who you are or who you were. You may be a spiritual and moral outcast, 
as marginal as the single barren woman was in those ancient days, it does not matter. You will bear fruit, the kind of fruit that lasts. The gospel says grace is not just for the fertile Hagar's, but for the barren Sarah's. If Sarah can have a future, anyone can. You see, that's the gospel. The gospel says there's nobody that's beyond the reach of God's grace. And even, and listen, it says that to those on the outside. There's nobody even beyond the reach of God's grace. Everybody's invited to come. But you know what it also says? It also says to those among us who fall and stumble that there's no need to despair, that you can't get back up and and move forward again. God's grace will enable you to do that. You know, sometimes we understand, well, I, I know God's grace and I experienced his grace and I came to him, but then I, you know, then I fell away or I fell into sin or something and, you know, I just, I knew better and I did it anyway and, and now I just think, you know, there's, there's no grace for me. People think that way. There's grace for you still. That's the beauty of grace. It's not exhausted. It, it, it doesn't run out. As we genuinely seek it, it's there. It's available. And that's the beauty of this picture here. Here's, you know, a a desolate, barren woman that Isaiah is referring to, going back to the situation with Sarah. But he says, you know, in the end, she will have more children than the one with a husband. And God can take any life that will just genuinely receive his grace and he can cause an abundance of fruit to come forth from it. And that takes me back to what I was saying about the, the group of people that I was with yesterday. And I look at this group and I see, wow, these are the outcasts. These are the people, listen, these are the people that people in churches everywhere would already in their minds have decided that these are the the unsavables. These are the ones that could never bear fruit. But, it, but it's just not true. As I was sitting there yesterday, I saw a, a, a guy walk in, an older guy, he's probably my age. And um, my friend turned to me and said, hey, you see that guy? Yeah, I see him. I kind of, you know, noticed him when he walked in. He said he just spent 20 year, 26 years in the penitentiary. He just came out. And I said, wow, amazing. And then he said, and also... He said, you know, so-and-so, and and we we have a mutual friend that we know who was, who spent 40 years in the state, federal penitentiaries, uh, was a hitman. And he said, he said, so so so-and-so, I'm not saying his name intentionally. He said, so-and-so put a hit on this guy back in the 80s. And obviously he didn't follow through with it because the guy's still alive. He said, those guys are getting together regularly and having Bible studies together now. And it's like, wow. Okay. This is, this is the kind of stuff that, like I said, you want empirical evidence for the existence of God, I'll take you down, let you meet some people. And uh, if you can figure out how they have become what they are without a God, then you're much more brilliant than I am. You know, this is grace. This is what God's grace does. And these guys are pastoring churches and they're bearing fruit and there's children being produced in the sense, you know, spiritually because of the grace of God that's come to them. 
And so just like it seemed that the barren woman would never, how could a barren woman ever bear children? Well, this is what the grace of God does. The grace of God. This is the business of God's grace to step in to the natural and to do what can never be done with all of the best efforts of human beings. It's a supernatural thing. It's the power of the gospel. It's what salvation is about through Christ. This is what it's about. And Paul wants those Galatians to to just understand, look, no, the law will kill everything. It'll just bring you back into bondage. And you will never go anywhere. You'll never progress. Stay away from the law. The, the, this, is like, this is like Hagar and her son. And what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman. There's no place for this kind of bondage and legalism because under it, we will just be stopped dead in our tracks. There will be no fruit that comes from it. And so we want to continue to stand in the freedom Brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We are free. You know, just be free in Christ. And let the Spirit guide your life. And be in God's Word. And let God's Word inform you and instruct you and transform you. And do all of those things. And, and you know, let, just let the Lord work. And the, there are going to be people, you know, like they say, the haters are going to hate and the legalists are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to squawk and they're going to make noise and they're going to, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. What are you doing? And, you know, and it's just like, Hey, we're, we're walking in the grace of God. That's what we're doing. And, you know, here's the thing. Generally, if we are legalistic, it's because we've lost sight not just of the grace of God in general, we've lost sight of our own need for the grace of God. That's what happens. We forget, or maybe we just don't think that we were as bad as we actually are. If I keep forever in my mind my own need for grace, you know what that's going to do? It's going it's to lend itself to me being gracious toward others. So if I'm not gracious, if I'm critical, if I'm condemning, if I'm self-righteous, if I'm judgmental, then I got to go back and ask myself, wait a second, what about myself? And what if I applied my standard to other people? Jesus reminded us of that. He said, you know, with, what, with the measure you, you measure things, it's going to be measured back to you. In other words, the standard that you judge everybody by, guess what? That's a standard you'll be judged by as well. Let's live in grace. Let's bask in grace. Let's grow in grace. Let's walk in grace. Let's share God's grace. For the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Sickness, disease, broken homes, poverty, people young and old all around the world are experiencing distress. Have you ever wondered how a loving God could allow so much suffering in the lives of people he claims to love? Well, in her book, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin tackles this question and 11 others about Christianity. 
If you've ever wrestled with questions about Christianity or want to be prepared for those who are, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.